0: I got 20 minutes to preach an hour message, so here we go. Luke 6, 38, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure you met with all, ye shall be measured to you again. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this opportunity to preach your holy word. And I pray, Father, you touch each one of our lives, dear God, Father, we would open our hearts, that we would not close our hearts and our minds just because we're dealing with giving to God, but we would be open to God to receive. And Father, for those, dear Lord, that are here that don't know you, I pray they would come to know you today, dear Lord. And we thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says amen. You may be seated. So we're in this series, The Blessed Life. Last week was Such a a great time in in the presence of God, and this morning has been so wonderful. The worship has been great, and it's just been a a great feeling to be here in South Point. But we just need to get started as we look into Luke 38. I find that it's a wonderful verse, but I'm very convinced that it is one of the most misapplied and misunderstood verse in the Bible. Most Christians know this verse, and many of them can quote it. If not, they've been many songs sung about it, and they can sing it. But one of the most common mistakes people make about this verse is assuming that Jesus is speaking only of money here. Hear me. But Jesus really is revealing a principle that applies into every area of our life. And if if you look at the larger context of the verse, and that's what I want you to do, I want you to jump up in verse 36 and 37 of that same chapter, and it says, But you therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful, judge not, and you shall not be judged, condemn not, and you shall not be condemned, forgive, and you shall be forgiven. It is after Jesus talks about mercy, he talks about judging, he talks about forgiving, that he says, Give, and it shall be given to you. Hear that. See, this principle applies to money, but you also can give forgiveness. You can give mercy. You can give understanding. You can give patience. Jesus is simply talking about the broad principle of giving within our lives. Luke 6 and 38, whatsoever is giving is going to be giving back to you in a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over so, to capture the full meaning of this truth, you need to know something about what the term good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over is referring to. Though, those were farmer terms. According to the instruction in the Old Testament, farmers in Israel were, were, were to leave grain in the corner of the field for the poor. So, each harvest time would come around, there were two sets of harvesters within the field. One way were they 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 were the primary harvesters. They 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 would they were the ones that they would get in the middle of the field and they were paid to bring the crop into the barn. And then they were the poor people and they were in the corner of the field and they were harvesting the crop to feed themselves and their family. So the primary harvesters were out in the middle of the field who were they would fill their baskets up and they would carry it over to the barn or they'd carry it over to the wagon and they would dump it all in. And they'd go back and they'd fill it again and, and they'd fill up another bucket. And, and, and you see, to these workers, it didn't really matter to them how full their baskets were because they were just getting paid by the hour. So they were just staying busy and they were keeping working until all the grain was gone over their workday. Either one was over first. But the poor people here. They were working in the corner of the fields they were nowhere near their home. They knew that what they were putting in the basket would be in it w- would be what they would be the amount that would feed their family and the family and their life. It was more of a life and death incentive to them to to get as much in the basket as possible and if you were if if you were in that position, you would first make sure that you were putting in Good measure, not just a partial measure or a half measure but you would also begin to press it down and compress it the grain together to create more room. And after that, you would top the basket off, and then you would shake it, and you would eliminate any airspace uh, between the grains. It reminds me of a story of Pastor Jason. I was going to also tell you that Stigler First Assembly of God donated us a people mover for the church at South Point already. And so we're, we're so happy about that also. But it reminds me about Pastor Jason. When he was my youth pastor, we had gone to, to Branson. We was up there at a, a convention in Branson, and we had went to uh, the, the stowing biscuit place, Lamberts. And, and so, you know, many people don't know that when you go in there, uh, you only got all the helpers going around with all the food, and they just keep shoving food. And, and you order a, a, a meal, but you get all these other stuff along with it. And, 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 but if you really understand about Lambert's, when you order that meal, it's all you can eat from that meal. And he ordered a steak, ribeye, and we were getting him ready to go. I had him in training to go eat that steak up in Texas, uh, that 72-ounce steak that if you could eat that, you'd get it free and a shirt and all that to say I'm stupid. I ate, you know, and 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 so we was training him, and he, pardon pardon this, my wife's gonna get mad when I say this, but we we was feeding him, and he'd got he'd got to like the fifth steak, and he said I got to make more room. Well, when he started to make more room, he, Connie and his wife Gashana, Shana got up and left out. Well, you know what I mean when he made more room. There was some gassy smell going on, and and so he was making more room, more room. And when I read that about compressing, you know how this when you got you boy, that's good. I got to make more room somehow. You know, I want some more of this. <laughs> well, these guys they knew about what it takes to make more room. Hey, you you don't know what I'm talking about you understand that, that that if if you're you if if you were pouring in as much grain as possible, you would want it to be overflowing the rim until it spilled out to the sides, wouldn't you? I mean, if it was a life and death situation, it was feeding your family, then you would do that. See, it's one thing to receive a, a basket of free grain, but it's far better thing to receive a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over a basket of free grain. And the Lord knew that the people here in Israel were connected this because they understood the term. So Jesus was trying to make a point here that whatever you give, you're going to get a lot more of the same in return. Hear that? This is a universal principle here with God. You always receive back more than you give. Think about this. When you give away an apple seed by planting it into the ground, you don't just get back the apple seed. In time, you will get back a whole apple tree. And on that apple tree, each there would be many apples, and those apples and each one of those apples, there'll be many seeds. Did you catch that? So you get back much more than you actually give when you plant the seed. But so many people go wrong on this passage of scripture. But you see, there's a there's a great big deal of temptation here to make it your motivation for giving. Many have fell into this trap and have encouraged others to do the same. If you give, you get back. And it's the temptation that that becomes your motivation. If I give, I get back. And I find that as we fall into that trap, it's the the give and it shall be given to you principle is to be our reward and not our motivation. Now, understand this. Jesus starts his promise by saying this. There in, in, in Luke 6 and 37, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. This will be the prompt This promise is a complete, puts a complete different light. If you give judgment, judgment will give back to you. In good measure, press down. And shaken together and running over. If you're gonna judge others, then you're gonna get it back to you, even overflowing. If you give condemnation, condemnation will be given back to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It also works the other way though. If you give forgiveness, An abundance of forgiveness will be given back to you. If you sow love, you will receive an overflowing harvest of love. That is the principle, a fundamental principle of the kingdom of God. But the problem is, is the way it's been taught, that there is no balance. Because this has become all about material gain, and the mode it has become getting and not giving. Hear what I just said. But there is nothing in the Scriptures that said we should make personal gain on our motive for giving. Hear that. Can you imagine how God feels when his people only get excited about giving towards his kingdom purpose, when they stir up inside them a fever that they, they will have more stuff? God doesn't want us to catch the vision of getting; He wants us to catch the vision of giving. We will receive much more in return being givers and not getters. God is not against us having nice things. He loves people to, to his, see his people blessed, but molded is everything. In Proverbs 16 and 2, and Brendan stole it. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives James 4 and 3 says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You, only, you want only what is giving you pleasure. When it comes to pleasing God and operating within the line with his kingdom principle, heart-molded is what matters. heart motive. So it, to really understand this principle of Luke 6 and 38, then we need to get more of a context and a perspective to do what we, we, as we kind of look back into it. So Luke 6 and 30, and I'm going to take time to read these. Give to anyone who asked. When things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you give credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid, and then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Now, what I want you to look at here in this passage because it, it, this passage begins with the word give. Give to everyone who asks of you. This is the ideal. What bothers me is, why so much preaching and teaching and believing that Luke 6 and 38 is all about material gain when it's the motive for giving it gets, rather than the byproduct of it all? The message of Jesus' sermon is give. Give. Give to those who asked of you, give to those who can't pay you back, give to those who don't deserve it. Give mercy to those who wronged you. Give the kind of treatment you hope to receive from others. Give, give, give. That's the message. And know this, that your heavenly Father will make sure you get more in return. When you give with reckless abandonment, you are following God's example. There in verse 35, though, it says, He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. That's what that, that was for you and me at one time in our lives. We were wicked and unkind. God extended his kindness to us by sending his son when we were unthankful and we were evil people. God, my friend, is a giver. It is true that when we give, God will give back to us. But that should not be our motive for giving. We should give for the pure joy of imitating our Father. It is our heart that that the the Lord is is concerned about, and a a proper focused heart is more excited about giving part than the receiving part. In other words, God is saying, when you give, just give. I'm I'm going to reward you by giving to you in such a greater measure that you will never understand it. The reward comes because we allow God to do a work in our heart in the area of giving and not in the area of getting. See, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15, God is dealing with the heart of the giver. And here's the portion of the Scripture. It is, it's showing God's heart for helping people. It also shows that God looks at the heart attitude of the giver. It, it makes it point to the, a point to tell the Israelites not to let their heart be grieved when they give. Deuteronomy fifteen and ten, thou shalt surely give him and give him, and thy heart shall not be grieved when thou giveth unto him, because for this for the first thing that the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and all that thou putteth thy hands unto. All the way back then, God loved a cheerful giver. Hear that. Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly, not a necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. You and I can relate to this because uh, we, you, you, we are not uh, proud of, you know, I'm not proud when one of my children would do something unselfish. Does that make you proud when your children are unselfish? Don't you feel blessed when you don't have to bribe or threaten them to be good? Be generous? You and I are so pleased when our children help and do things that are unselfish. And do you think that God is not pleased when His children do things that are not selfish? When we grow to become cheerful, willing givers, we become more and more like our Heavenly Father. God is trying to do a work in us. He wants to. Purify our hearts. And, and I found that the, the selfishness, this selfishness and the unselfish thing is such a, a big deal in our life today. This, this is a very big deal. We must confront this because we want a pure heart. We want to be a pure heart giver. And there's three kinds of hearts. One, there's a selfish heart. Selfish heart. Deuteronomy 15 and 9 says, Beware that there will be not a thought in thy wicked heart saying, the seventh year, the year of release. Is at hand, and thy eyes be thy eye be evil against the poor brother, and thou giveth him not. And he cries unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. See, we've got to deal with wicked thoughts that would come and keep us from having compassion for others. God called it a wicked heart. So God clearly labors selfishness as wicked. Selfishness whispers that we won't have enough or that God won't be faithful to meet our need if we give. That's selfishness whispering in your ears. See, God cries out, don't allow your heart to think that way. Greed and selfishness are not proper motives for giving. God wants to, to change us from greed and selfish takers into grateful and generous givers. Selfishness tries to manipulate, tries to make deals with God. We, will, we were born selfish. You know that? My my wife made a statement the other day, and I, I, I wanted to correct her, but she was talking to someone about children, so I'm just going to correct her in front of the whole church. Boy, I love it when I get to She said, them babies are born innocent. No, them babies are born evil. They got an old man nature within them. They're not born pure, but what you put in them makes a difference to how they become. See, we're born with this selfish nature. And selfishness, you know, if you'll think about it, knowing that every baby is born with it was this selfishness, their first expression is, "why." You know what you hear them all the time, Mark Draper. You know it. Heather, you hear it from Mark all the time. (laughs) And we know that that is translated into feed me, change me, hold me now. Selfishness is deeply rooted in our hearts. We must confront the selfish heart that we have to be able to do what God wants us to do. Now, let's look at a greeter, grieving heart. Deuteronomy 15 and 10 says, Thou shalt surely give him, and thy heart shall not be grieved when thou giveth unto him. Because for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works and in all that thou puttest thy hand unto. If you'll notice the reward of being a giver, it's a blessed life, Amen. God says He will bless you in everything you put your hand to and all your works. But He goes on and says, "Don't grieve in your heart after we have been obedient in giving." It is important not to let yourself start grieving over what you have done with your money if you have if you you have kept it for yourself. You see, selfishness can attack us before we give, but greed can attack us after we give. This means that you must guard your heart not only before you give, but after you give as well. Many people give because they feel they have to give, and it's not because they want to. They feel pressured to give, and afterwards they grieve over that gift. They grieve over money that they no longer have. Well, we must understand that God is trying to do something deeper in our heart. If we are filled with regrets after being a blessing, my question is, does it please God? If we understand that what we have was given to us and that it really isn't ours to start with, then it becomes easier and a blessing to let it go. And I'm going to close with the third part real quick. I'm trying to get through Russian. The third part condition is the heart adjustment that must happen. It, it's beyond overcoming the selfish heart. It's beyond avoiding a grieving heart. But it's developing a generous heart. A generous heart. Deuteronomy 15 and 14 says, Thou shalt furnish him liberally, Out of thy flock and out of thy floor and out of the winepress of that wherein the Lord thy God has blessed thee, thou shalt give unto him. That word liberally is not a political term, being liberal. But it's the practice of being generous and free with our material blessings. If you look there at verse 14, it says, Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock, out of the floor, and out of thy winepress. We may not have a threshing floor. We may not have a wine press nowadays, but we are still called to give generously of what God has blessed us with. We are not to be stingy in our giving, but we are to be generous. This is why we must work at building this liberal heart of ours. And the key to walking in this deal deals with the renewing of the mind. Renewing of the mind. In Romans 12 and 2, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Mind renewal brings transformation. See, the Spirit of God that lives with inside me wants to be generous. But I've learned to renew my mind in those areas of my life that I'm having trouble giving. You know, I I had problems with food bank. With food bank, when I was at Evangel Temple, one of the first times I went out to their food bank, I sat there and I was watching what was going on, and I saw people driving up in cars I couldn't afford. And I saw ladies having diamond rings all over their hands. And they were coming getting food. And I was having problems with it. I'm thinking, man, you old cheapskates. And I, th- I was thinking, I want to put a stop to this because I pretty well was running the church. And I was thinking, I going to put a stop to this. And God whipped me horribly. He said, they're my problem, not yours. I just called you to give. Huh? And so I've learned that I may not like everything that goes on, but I'm not responsible for how you or anybody else receives what I give, but I am responsible for what I give and the motive that I give it in. So I find that I have to renew my mind in those areas, and it starts in this place. Deuteronomy 15 and 15, and I'm closing out. You guys will come to the And thou shalt remember that thou was a bondsman in the land of Egypt. And the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore I command thee this thing today. God instructs the Israelites to remember that they had been slaves. So if it would fill their heart with gratitude for what he had done for them. So I want to ask you, to go back and think about your motives for giving and if you're aggrieved or if you're selfish or, or you had a generous heart. And ask yourself today, do you remember when you had nothing but God has blessed you now? Do you remember when you were enslaved into sin and you had nothing but God set you free? And when you begin to do those things, and remember the blessings that God has put within your life. All of a sudden, it changes that old grieving heart. It changes that old selfish heart to be a generous giver because why? You know what God has done for you, and you want to pay back in a way that will make a difference in other people's life, and you want to be just like your father. My mom used to say, and I loved my dad. My dad was my hero. And uh, she used to say she'd get she'd get mad at me over something, and mom would say, "You act just like your daddy," and it'd make her so mad because I'd look at her and I'd say, "Mom, I hope I'm as good as man as my daddy, because I want to be just like him. Because my daddy was a good man." I want you to know, your daddy is the greatest of the greatest. Amen. He is the greatest giver. He is the greatest lover. He's the greatest forgiver. Your daddy is the greatest of greatest. I want to be just like my daddy. So I encourage you today. To think about where you came from and where you are today. And if you're still in that slavery, I want you to know he wants to set you free. No matter how much you have done, how wrong you have become, how spoiled you think your life is, our daddy is still planting seeds into your life. He's still giving to you. Actually, in Romans, it tells us that he gives to us the bring us to repentance. He loves us. He wants you to recognize what a giver's about. Stand with me if you will. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Father, we love you. We thank you for you. Thank you, dear Lord, for this time together. We pray, Father, that you touch every heart that's here. I pray that no one think that we're casting judgment today. No one will think that we're trying to sow unpure motives just to get people to give. But, Father, that our whole thing to so let people understand how generous you are and how generous we should be. Touch our lives. Let each person here feel your love today. Move Holy Spirit. Move Holy Spirit. Move Holy Spirit. For we need you today. Break our selfishness. Break our selfishness today. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. I want you to just keep your heads bowed just for a minute. And if you're here and you don't know the Lord, we want to give you an opportunity to come to know Him. I want to ask Him just to sing just a quick chorus. And I want you to let the Holy Spirit just move in your life right now. Say, sing this just a quick chorus. Go ahead. Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing to die. you can't make worthy you wash me into my truck. I was telling them in our staff meeting before we came out. I just started singing an old song. And it scares them when I talk about it because they think he's going to throw it out on us make us play it. But all of a sudden, I, I forgot that I was in my truck. And I just began to sing this old song. Thank God you wasn't there because you wouldn't want to hear me sing. But it dealt with, what's the name of the song, Mark? And I forgot it the time we got up here. That's, I, start, I sang it four or five times on the way down here. I love you, Lord. And, and it deals with our praise and our worship unto him. Let it be the sweetest sound unto your ears. And I told them, I said, when we walk out to this place, to come into this service, Let's be worshipers. Let's be worshipers. Amen. Because worshiper's heart has turned towards him. And we're saying, Lord, we give our all. We surrender unto you. Amen. So today we surrender to you, Lord. We surrender to you. We give our all unto you. And if you're here and you had not gave your all, we want to give you that opportunity right now. I want you to just raise your hand and say, today, I want to give my life to the Lord, completely holy to the Lord. Yes. Raise your hand. All over the building. Yes. Yes. Just in a minute, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you, have you developed a generous heart? Are you a giver? Are you a giver? Now, I'm not talking just in material. I'm talking in everything else are a giver but are you giving goodness are you giving evil things are you condemning people are you judging people are you forgiving people are you loving people oh the material thing's good because you need to be paying your tithes and you need to be giving what god has blessed you but that other goes wrong with it and so today i'm going to ask you are there areas in your life that you say I need to get better at giving in whether it be material things whether it's paying your tithes and giving an offering or whether it be in letting forgiveness take place whatever it might be I want you to raise hands say there's areas in my life I need to learn to work at I gotta gotta be a giver yes I want you to come real quickly I'm going over but we're gonna we're gonna have prayer we're gonna have prayer I need prayer warriors to come along with them. We're going to pray. I need prayer warriors to come. Come on. Make room. There's a lot of folks coming. A lot of folks coming. Thank you, Jesus. You remember in the old church how we were so packed in, I'd have to bring you on stage. God has blessed this church. Wow. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Believable, what God has done. Amen. Many of you have sowed seeds into this ministry, in your material giving, in your talents, your abilities, in your time. You've sowed. So all you got to do is look around today and see how God has blessed. God has blessed. Some of you came down here, and you got this. Heart that's selfish, or maybe a grieving. you need to change that today. You need to change that today. One of the greatest things I love to do is give. I love to give. I I love to serve. I I love to serve my beautiful wife. <laughs> she gets so aggravated sometimes at me because. I, I think she thinks I try to take care of her too much. And uh, I can tell it's aggravating. I'll, she leaves her phone. I'll pick it up, come back behind her with it. And uh, She leaves her glasses that she doesn't like to wear. i say, hey, you need to take these with you, you know. I love to serve. I love to give. It's not my nature because my nature, I was a selfish person before I came to know God. I was selfish. No, y- y- y'all say, yeah, yeah, No, you don't understand. I was selfish. When I went out on dates, I would buy one meal and share it with my date. I'd get two straws and we would drink. Oh, it's so romantic, baby. Drink from one drink. I was selfish. But when I come to know Jesus. Turned that selfish heart to being a giver. Then, when I come to know my wife, her influence and in her walk with God changed me so much. I credit it to the Lord Jesus Christ, but I also realized how my wonderful wife has sold into my life to make me what I am. I find that it's so important. Have people in your life to influence you. Influence you. God's going to do His part, but isn't it nice to have that partner with you, as a wife, or a girlfriend, or a boyfriend, just just person in your life, partner? So we want to do that. We want to partner with you here at South Point to help you become all that God. start with the getting with the selfish doing. I told my Sunday school class, my marriage class, one of the deepest problems or most rooted problems in marriage is selfishness. And I said if, if you get don't get rid of the selfishness, your marriage will fall. Okay? Your marriage to Christ will fall because of selfishness. Because if it's all about you don't submit unto the Lord Jesus Christ and let Him have rule in your life. Become the giver that He wants you to become. You will fail. Because now you're not being obedient to Him. And obedience brings blessings. Amen. And so today, as we pray, we're going to pray and ask the Lord Jesus to come into our hearts. Those that are here that you've raised your hands that I need Jesus, we're going to pray. And it's a simple prayer. We say it every Sunday. And if you want it just become words, it can just become words. But if it comes from the heart, the molded of the heart, then it makes a difference. So we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me all of the building. Let's pray. Father God, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. Cleanse me with your blood, Jesus. Become my Lord, my Savior, and my Master. Thank you for saving me.